I would never do that. That is not the right thing to say. There must be a medical reason for doing this. Police! Let's get real and talk about what's really going on in healthcare. It's time for another episode of The Epic Podcast. I was just thinking, with the two coolest nurse practitioners around, here are your hosts, Marissa Luft and Katie Harris. Over to you. Hi, I'm Katie Harris. And I'm Marissa. And I was just thinking about jerks in the workplace. Oh, that's a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have a couple jerks in the workplace, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm Katie Harris. And I'm Marissa. And I was just thinking about jerks in the workplace. Oh, that's a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I, uh, I, I have a couple jerks in the workplace, too. <laughs> tell me about your jerks. Um... No, you, you start. <laughs> I'm going to edit that part out, but go okay. ahead. Um, so I recently had an issue with some jerks in the workplace. Um, I work in a health system that has a couple different hospitals that are part of it. And we all schedule our uh, assignments at each campus individually amongst the, uh, the folks that work there. And if we need some extra help for some reason, we will maybe reach out to another campus, uh, but we try not to at all costs. Um, so recently, being the summer months, uh, one campus scheduled four of their full-time staff to be out on vacation in the same week, leaving two folks to cover. And one of them ended up having a, uh, medical emergency of sorts, which left one practitioner at their campus and then asking us very last minute if we could share uh, some of our resources, our people to go to those, to the other campus. So they went from six people down to one person. So normally six people cover the one campus and they went down to one person. Yeah, normally they staff like four on at a time and then two people would be, have a day off. Um, and they allowed four of the six people that cover the campus to go on vacation in the same week, leaving only two of their clinicians to uh, cover, which doesn't allow for any sort of error or real life to happen. <laughs> so what, what do you think the thought process was there when somebody's like scheduling people off and everybody's like, I want this week off, this week off, this week off. And it's like, oh, four people want the same. That seems perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So there's like an inter-health system scheduling meeting, which, which I thought would happen at this meeting was that they talked about coverage and made sure that uh, with including vacations, everybody had proper coverage. But that's not what happens at all, that they just meet together to talk about days that they know they're going to be short and might need a per diem. So I'm assuming that the campus just thought, we'll handle it, and if there's a problem, we'll reach out. But um, I, think that's, I think that's pretty jerky, if you ask me. <laughs> so then they reach out to you, and not only do you have to cover your hospital system, but then you need to go over and cover their hospital system so they can all be on vacation. Yes, exactly. And I think one of the things, um, and any new to practice practitioner will understand this when they start is 
I, like, I don't even know where the bathrooms are at the other campus or where to put my lunchbox, let alone have a rapport with the doctors and know the room numbers. And it's just, I, I think it's pretty jerky and inconsiderate too. Just assume that somebody will cover you guys uh, so that you can all go on a vacation because we <laughs> never do that to the other campuses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if your whole group went on vacation and left the hospital uncovered and you asked one of them to come over so that you guys could all have the time off? Yeah, that would never fly. And I think that because we're a well-staffed campus, because we have a larger hospital and a patient census than others, that they're like, oh, we can just pull from them. No big deal. They have plenty of people on. But it's not as if when we're at work, we're just twiddling our thumbs and drinking tea. <laughs> so let me ask you, do, do you think this was uh, somebody just trying to accommodate everybody? They Everybody wants to go on vacation and, you know, they were just being considerate to their own and being inconsiderate to everybody else that would have to cover for them. Yeah, I, I'd like to hope that that wasn't what it was. I'd like to think that they thought they could handle it and that they wouldn't need to lean on other people, but um, that's not exactly what happened. So then my campus started to look into the future and say, how often is this going to happen? Is it going to be like the day after Thanksgiving, they don't schedule anybody on and then they need somebody and they're like, oh, we'll just pull from the other campuses. Yeah, that's how all those rules start getting enacted, right? <laughs> you know, it only takes one stupid thing like this and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's going to take an act of God to get a day off because, you know, everybody has to approve it and, and that kind of stuff. And it's all because of something like this where the whole thing falls apart because somebody thought it's okay to have four people go on vacation in the same week. Yeah. And to that point, I thought, you know, I was immediately irate as I usually am. And then I started to process it and calm down a little bit, but I wanted to escalate it up the chain, so to speak, and talk to the director because this keeps happening and it needs to stop. But then I thought if I bring it up to anybody higher, then we're not going to be able to make our own schedules and our own decisions and other people are going to get involved. So you're kind of stuck working with the jerks. So what did you do? What are you going to do? Um, I think vent about it on a podcast and then, <laughs> and then we'll send this podcast to them so they can, <laughs> and hope and pray it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like uh, one method of dealing with it. Um, you know, I, I was doing some research on uh, just kind of jerks in the workplace. And it's funny because when I started to Google, I was like, uh, what if your coworkers are, and you know how Google kind of answers the question for you? It was, yeah. the first thing was, what if your coworkers are jerks, assholes, this, that, and the other? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> this isn't an original idea of ours. <laughs> it seems to be a common problem. Um, and I, I came across uh, Psychology Today, and they have some lessons for you. So I'm going to give you some tips for working with jerks in the workplace. Oh, please do. Yeah, so... Tip number one, start with polite confrontation. <laughs> Ooh, th those two words don't seem to go together. <laughs> yeah, you know, confrontation is something that I, I've dealt with a lot, and it, it's something that's very difficult. And I'll tell you kind of my story. You know, I, I worked with a real jerk in the workplace. Like, I, I hated this nurse practitioner. Like, you know, hate's not even a strong enough word. Like, I would see her, and, like, steam would come out of my head. Like, I, I just could not 
stand just the sight of her because she was just she was just a mean mean person she was mean and nasty to the nurses to the doctors like she was an all-occasion non-discriminating mean person (laughs) you know so uh, to actually confront her first of all it could never be polite but second you know I, i avoided that confrontation at all costs like i just didn't want to talk to her, didn't want to confront her. At some level, I didn't want to resolve it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There, there's some... You just didn't want to get over it. Right. Yeah. No, it was almost like it fueled me or, you know, I don't know. It was kind of bizarre. But so polite confrontation would not have worked in that situation. Um, but another one of the things that they talk about is managing your reaction. So if there's somebody that's annoying or abrasive you know, you don't think about how the person acts, you have to think about how you react. Uh, And that's where I I really got stuck on on how I reacted. It was kind of like, why do I hate this person so much, you know, and I had to really kind of reflect on that. But um, what about like, other people in the workplace? Like, have you ever worked with people that you really just, they're, it's not even like they do it being inconsiderate they're just real jerks yeah there's a (laughs) there's a surgeon that I work with that just like every case he touches um something happens that either the patient or the family is upset um usually I to handle that I do escalate it up the chain and have uh patient services get involved and they make him apologize um (laughs) you're kidding they do they they have several times made him go and apologize to the family um yeah but in this scenario he's saying things that are damaging lifelong uh they're like indelible marks on the souls of the people he's caring for like telling families um that they killed their loved one by making this decision or um, yeah just like really jerky things that it's almost like he just doesn't even understand the power of his words and his impact. Or again, I will say I'm hoping it's that because otherwise it is he understands and he just doesn't care. Right. Yeah. I, it, and that's the, the surgeon stereotype I think is kind of big in healthcare because we had several years ago, we had two surgeons in particular that were just, mean and malicious and you know they would physically assault people they're the type of surgeons that would pull phones out of the socket and throw it across the room or throw things instruments in the OR and and that kind of stuff uh, and just always yelling and screaming and it was something that did escalate up to like top management and when top management the CMO was talking to the surgeons the surgeons are screaming at the CMO and it was just kind of like well <laughs> I mean, there. What can you do when the CMO can't even control the surgeons? Yeah, I'm. I'm shaking my head as you say that because I'm thinking of number two, manager reaction, and it feels like anybody who's having this podcast, listening to it, and or googling, what do you do when your coworkers are jerks? Are people that do manage their reactions and are like constantly culpable? But how how does somebody have an ego so big that they're yelling at the CMO of a health system? Right. And how is it that the CMO doesn't have any control? Because, you know, the thing with surgeons is we all know that the surgeons bring in the money to the hospital. So they have all the power, right? Or they, they 
have the perceived power. So, you know, it doesn't matter if little old me is getting yelled at by the surgeon. <laughs> and, you know, this, this is the funny part because I did get into a head-to-head with one of these surgeons and, uh, you know, I just lost it one day. And, I, you know, I, you know me, Marissa. I'm very quiet, laid back. You know, yes. for me to, like, blow a gasket is something that would, you know, would be highly unusual. But Mm -hmm. uh, I just, this one day I lost it. I'd had enough. And this guy was telling me to do something. And I'm like, you're an idiot. And I just (laughs) went off. Like I was yelling at him and I was so emotionally worked up that half the words weren't even coming out. It's like, I couldn't get enough air to get the words out of my mouth. And uh, the other surgeon uh, came up later and told me, you know, they sent me home. I got uh, sent home without pay on probation. Yeah, it was this huge deal. And I ended, I'm the one that ended up in anger management classes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And I got to the anger management classes and the guy's looking at me like, you got, are you in the right place? I'm like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm telling him this story and he's like, uh, but you know, nobody could help us. Like nobody, that's what happened. Like, you know, so I learned to just shut up and, you know, not report people because nothing ever happened of it other than me getting sent to anger management classes. Yeah. And I think that that story and this topic in general is lending to like a bigger crisis in just society in general, like those with power, they, uh, make out just fine and those with a little less power or maybe none get sent to anger management class when they weren't the problem right <laughs> yeah I mean it, it, it even the the chairman at the time was like I don't understand like <laughs> like you gotta be kidding like you know everybody sees what's going on and, and nobody um, and it was right about that time that I actually left um, I left the hospital where I was working for some time and it was something that I needed you know, it's like, and this is another one of those articles that I came up and this was in Forbes talking about like just the negative um, impact that hating people or having anger or all these issues in your workplace where it happens, like it has major negative health consequences. Um, you know, it can cause weight gain, which I'm sure that's my problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's my problem too. <laughs> It's all their fault. It's all the surgeon's fault. Yeah. Uh, you know, it can reduce your immune system. It, it plagues mental health. You have, you, you might not sleep well. It can hinder your personal life because we spend so much time at work. I mean, how much time do you work? Um, probably like 60, 80 hours a week with my three jobs combined. <laughs> right, exactly. Because no nurse can have one job. <laughs> no, that's not fun. That's not a good use of your time. <laughs> So, I mean, having uh, a lot of this, you know, just working with jerks. I mean, you can't confront every jerk that I work with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife is new to practice, and she recently was telling me she was having a big issue with um, people coming at her, like, accusing her of things or, like, just, it, it, you know, working in an emergency room. There's lots of different protocols on patients uh, admitting admitted with certain diagnoses, and she would keep coming home angry, like the Forbes article said, and angrier and angrier and angrier because there's just a bunch of jerks who it's always personal. They always go for the throat. It's not a discussion of like two medical professionals trying to figure out the best way to handle something. It's, it's always personal and it, mm-hmm. it ruins your quality of life at work. Yeah, it does. And, and the, I mean, you can also have uh, 
you know, another Google topic is why are my patients jerks too? Because they can be. <laughs> I like to chalk that up to anybody in pain is a jerk, and I'm just going to try and yeah uh, let that roll off my back. But what did what did the article say? Well, I I didn't find anything on patients because I I didn't even think to look that up. But you know, at, at some level, I almost understand the patients. You know, some of the patients that come in have been kind of jerked around by the healthcare system quite a bit, uh, so they're just kind of like on defensive. Um, you know, I just had a, a patient recently. Uh, who was admitted, and the ED resident was giving me a report, and he's like, this family, they're a bunch of jerks, and they're like, you know, why aren't there any real doctors in the hospital? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so they were attacking him. They were going for the jugular and stuff, and they came upstairs, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun, and uh, we're getting the patient settled, and, you know, I just went in and let them talk, and it's all they wanted, you know, they, all they wanted was just somebody to listen to them. And uh, all of a sudden it didn't matter that I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse practitioner taking care of the patient. You know, they were complaining that there was no doctor and, and now they have a nurse taking care of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just letting them vent and say what it is that they need to say. Cause there is actually uh, research that says that, that uh, patients are interrupted every, or the first 14 seconds that they start talking, they get interrupted. Yep. I've heard that. It's, that's upsetting. Yeah. So I just let her talk. And by the time she was done spewing her hate, you, she was so exhausted, she thanked me. <laughs> so, you know, at some level, I can, yeah, you can give the, the patients the benefit of the doubt. But um, I don't know. What do you think about the surgeons? Can we give them a benefit of the doubt? I don't think so. I mean, I know that their hands are precious, but... Um, their behavior is not and I don't really think it should be excused it's funny that we work in a profession that's all about caring for others yet like we cannot extend that to our coworkers. um I took a workplace survey about violence and a bunch of the questions were you know are you called names or do people not help you when you need help or you do you feel unsafe and I just thought that was a normal day at work. And I'm like, that should not be acceptable. Why do I find this acceptable? And I even recently had an experience that like, it's difficult for our students too. I had a student rotating with me and gave her the reins to go talk to um, one of the surgeons. And when she did, the surgeon just like snapped at her and like belittled her. And I was like, wait a second, like this person's, we're a consult team. You consulted us. You don't know who, what is actually the face of the team? Cause you're new here, Miss Surgeon. Uh, so who are, why are you snapping at us? You asked us to be involved in this patient's case. And then you have no respect for me or my team. Yeah, that's, that's really obnoxious. Uh, and you see that a lot in I, you know, I didn't really have that experience until I became a nurse practitioner and I really fully understood kind of like that hierarchy of medicine because uh-huh. I've seen attendings tear apart medical students and, I, you know, uh, and it was normal. Like that was, it was a normalized thing. I'm like, oh, well, a med-, med student, I guess, you know, we should tear them apart, you know. <laughs> but now I'm just like, well, that's ridiculous. Like it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for an attending to rip apart a med student, like in the middle of round when there's like 10 of us in the middle of rounds and the poor student's like doing his best or maybe he's not maybe the med student's a jerk too I don't know but (laughs) (laughs) it could be possible but like come on big fellow why do you need to attack this tiny right like teach them teach 
Right. But, I mean, because my thought process on it is if I had a student that was really terrible, I would ignore them in rounds. Uh-huh. You know, I wouldn't use it as an opportunity to tear them apart. Yeah, lambast somebody in front of an entire group of people, which now is not productive. A bunch of people feel uncomfortable. The student's not learning. And we got way off topic, which was the patient in the first place that we were supposed to be caring for. Right, absolutely. And we used to have that culture in our specialty where the senior residents would just they were just so mean to the junior residents and we had a lot of junior residents leave. I mean, it got so bad that, you know, it, it had to be addressed because we would have, we would match all these residents and then we'd lose them all because they couldn't make that first year. And the ones that did make the first year were just like venomous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not who you want to survive necessarily the process of residency. <laughs> right. More angry jerks. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of room in the healthcare system for, uh, I don't even know what, I, you know, because like you said, it, it's so normalized to have like, you know, workplace violence. Of course, of course, the surgeon's going to come through and, and uh, throw the residents against the wall and rip out phones in the, in the unit. Who doesn't do that? That's just wild. <laughs> it sounds like assault to me. I'm not sure, but... It's not assault. It's normal. <laughs> oh, right. It's, it's learning. It's part of your education. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because it wasn't until I left the healthcare system for a while and went into uh, the business end of what I was doing that when I came back, I was just like, did I really work here? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an interesting point because I, um, nursing is a second career for me. And I started out working in advertising with the hopes of being in the FBI one day. Long, long story, but Ooh, long story. We'll have to do a one on that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, but to make that long story a little shorter, I came in. I feel like um, a little bit more of a fully formed human with like some worldly experience, um, and I just knew from the start that that's just not okay to treat somebody that way. But if that's the all of your schooling, you go to medical school and then you do residency and then you go right into like fellowship and and then you're in attending and all you know is this culture of it's okay to chuck people against the wall and rip out phones, then I don't know how we can expect anybody to, to change if that's all they've ever learned. <laughs> that's why I always advocate for the second career nurse, nurses and nurse practitioners. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to get out of the hospital system <laughs> yeah. to learn some like normalcy. Yep. But, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of sum this up. So what do we do if your coworker is a jerk? Oh, if your coworker's a jerk, you're going to manage your reaction and have a polite confrontation. There's and probably point. you're going to just walk away and stomp for a minute and then come back and not address it at all. Right. And here's a couple others. Uh, keep your distaste to yourself. Though I don't agree with that. I like to vent. I, I, I feel like I need to say things to get it out. So it's not like, I feel like if you keep things in, they kind of like, you know, they're kind of like swarming around inside your body and creating negative stuff inside you. Yeah, I resonate with that. Out of me and onto them. Now, another one of these tips they say, spend more time with them. Yeah. What? Not going to okay. happen. No. Well, so what they're saying is by working together, you can learn to understand the jerk better and maybe even develop some empathy. Yeah. Mm, uh, maybe I'll try that. 
um, <laughs> consider providing feedback. That might be a good one for you, Marissa. Uh, okay. Instead of, instead of confrontation or going above, maybe uh, you could email the person that did the schedule and just tell him or her how inconsiderate they are. Um, maybe be a little bit more diplomatic and polite. <laughs> I'll take that under advisement, Katie. Thank you. <laughs> You know, and the, and the last thing is keeping a, a, an asshole diary or a jerk diary, because I'll tell you, one of the things that I learned in leadership class uh, was something that Abraham Lincoln did, uh, and this sounds really formal now all of a sudden and, and esoteric, but it's not, but he used to write letters, like if he was really angry at somebody, he would write a mean, nasty letter and put it in an envelope and then throw it in his desk. And Ooh. yeah, there is something that is absolutely uh, relieving about writing down the meanest, nastiest things that you can think of. And it's kind of like venting, like what we're doing now uh, and never sending it or writing the email and never send it because you will get the same relief uh, as if you sent it without the consequences. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to try a jerk journal, um, but a you won't journal. be in it, by the way. You're not a jerk. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's a good idea. Marissa's top 10 jerks of all times. <laughs> yeah. Katie Harris, number one. <laughs> I like that. The jerk journal. Yeah. Yeah, all that's right. definitely a good one. All right. I think that sounds like an awesome idea. All right. Well, Marissa, I think this sounds like a, a some great ideas that we got going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, I'd love to hear what other people think. Like if, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, if you have uh, some adventures with some jerks in the workplace or just some really uh, stories of some inconsiderateness, you can write in our jerk journal uh, right here on the page and, and comment. Let us know what, what you think. That sounds like a great idea. Maybe we could have like a slam poetry of jerk journal readings once or two. For our eyes only, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. No names, no institutions. And uh, yeah, it'll be cathartic for all of us. Very cool. All right, Marissa. I think that's, uh, you know, we'll just wrap it up here. Thanks for sharing what you were thinking about. And uh, we'll talk about the next topic on the next podcast episode. See you then.